0: Welcome back to Barely Serious. This is episode 81 here with a special guest out here in L.A. High Memorial Park with Jeremiah Watkins. Yes, sir. Out
1: here. I actually kind of prefer (laughs) this outdoor podcast to
0: just being in a room sometimes, you know. It's nice. It is nice. Uh, A couple times I usually do it like in the car before COVID yeah and like three different times I was recording a fight broke out like outside the car really yeah we'd be doing it like a like a CVS parking lot like one in the morning by the airport and just like these two shirtless guys okay well this is adding up a little bit <laughs> more <slowly.
1: laughs> all the conditions are like you know we, we used to do it in a back alley of, <laughs> uh, Planned Parenthood <laughs> <laughs> things are crazy yeah
0: uh, before we get into the the meat of the episode, I saw that on December eighth on Amazon Prime you got a a special coming out, man.
1: Yes, my debut one hour special, Family Reunion. I'm very excited about it, dude.
0: Oh yeah, is so there something you could tell us about it before it for drops? Or?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's uh, it's a concept special where I went back home. Uh, like I wanted to release something that was not just, you know, a comedian doing an hour uh in front of like uh theater or something like that i feel like i mean that is what the typical special is these days right uh i'm a comic who is more of a guy who uh tours doing clubs on the road so that's more of where i'm at so i wanted to capture that recorded shows back in kansas city and uh when i walked out on stage i was unaware that my family was going to be sat the the way that they were and they were right up front on both sides where (laughs) my mom and her new husband are on one side and my dad and his new wife are on the other side of the stage so i'm having to look at them the entire show while (laughs) i perform my hour and i talk about them in the hour and stuff so it created a very unique energy and environment so um uh, I'm very much looking forward for
0: people to to see it because it's uh, it's a very unique night. That's awesome. What's the, uh, like, in the special, what's, like, the the oldest joke, like the longest joke that you wrote that you've been performing for however long that now gets to be retired? There
1: are a couple jokes in that special, I think, that are, I want to say, probably some of them are eight years old there's a couple jokes that are like eight years old and that special oh shit hell yeah, yeah dude probably there's a couple i think that i put in there that were like yeah i'm like i don't I, like why am i saving these for <laughs> this long you know what i mean like i gotta let these jokes yeah. go <laughs> i gotta let them breathe out in the universe so yeah i think that probably seven eight years is probably some of the oldest jokes the first couple of years you're doing stand-up um I don't think I have – I don't even know if I have any jokes that I still – there's a couple jokes that I still uh, want to record and put on something. But, right. you you know, how it goes, like the first couple of years, you're just trying to figure out what is even happening, and <laughs> what's going on, and you're trying to figure out yourself and all that stuff.
0: How long have you been doing stand-up?
1: Uh, over 10 years now, and I've been doing improv for uh, – I started doing that back in 2000 and six technically like in high school i started taking classes and stuff like that so yeah
0: hell yeah dude when was your where where was your first open mic and like what got you up on stage it was IO west
1: uh which is uh a now defunct unfortunately club out here in la did you ever go to IO west when it was open no so um it's called uh, originally it's called improv olympic Uh, West, uh, which is improv Olympic is based out of Chicago, uh, or it was, they might've even shut down because of COVID. I don't know what's going on with that currently, but, uh, it's a big improv school that, um, a lot of big comedy juggernauts have been through. Um, like you'd see like murals of like Chris Farley on the wall, like Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch and different, different SNL alum and stuff like that. Uh, it was an improv school and I, happened to just like that that was the one that i could walk to from where i was living (laughs) to uh in hollywood where i moved um when i first moved out to la from kansas and i was like it was i was one of those new year's resolution comics Ah. you know how you see uh (laughs) how you see those around the scene uh where you get there's usually a huge rush of like the first few months There's all these new people who are signing up. They're like, I'm going to do stand-up this year. (laughs) This is going to be my thing. This is going to be my career. And then uh, they either stick with it or fizzle it out. And uh, I was one of the people who stuck with it. Uh, It was one of those things where I waited until I was 21 years old because I thought, being from Kansas, all the clubs there, you can't even watch the shows unless you're 21. Right. So I was like, oh, well, you have to be 21 to do stand-up. It was just that kind of logic. So I'm like, I'm just going to wait. And that's that was the impotence behind that.
0: That's crazy. How many times on like Kill Tony has someone gone up there, done a set, and then in the interview said, yeah, I'm actually only 19. And then they're like, all right, dude. It's happened a few
1: times, and then they have to leave immediately because <laughs> they serve alcohol at the comedy store. So it's, uh, yeah. They actually, um, Ali Makovsky was one of the people who, she was doing sets there. Uh, they would let her perform, and then they would have her leave. Immediately, Right. But then something happened where they were like, ah, we, we don't even feel comfortable with that. So she had to wait till she was 21 before she came back to do sets.
0: Damn. Yeah. I remember hearing, uh maybe you know who it is. I can't remember who it was. They were telling a story about they were, like, at the comedy store in La Jolla, and they, like, let him perform, but he had to, like, stand outside in the rain. And then someone escorted him in. He did his set, and then he got to get escorted back outside into the rain.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't <laughs> know who that comic <laughs> is, but, uh... I appreciate
0: the hustle for sure. (laughs) Do you remember that first set? And do you remember like what your first joke was?
1: Yeah. Um, I did this bit, um, about subway radio, (laughs) which was, uh, I went into the subway at, uh, where I used to work. I used to work at a Starbucks on La Cienega in Beverly Hills. And there I used to get lunch occasionally, uh, right walking distance about like 150 feet from uh, you could walk right outside on the street in la Siena and there was a subway so we'd sometimes barter and trade food with each other (laughs) and under the table and do all kinds of stuff with the the people over subway we are like we'll give you frappuccino if you give some sandwiches (laughs) and it was great we did that like as as often as we could so i went in there one time and i noticed that they were playing like very current pop songs okay and they were like blaring them, and it was like back to back. And I was like, "Do you guys choose this? Like, whose playlist is this?" They're right. like, "No, it's, it's Subway Radio." I was like, "What's Subway Radio?" <laughs> and they're like, "They send us all the songs. Like, we've been listening to this every day. <laughs> like, the same songs over and over and right. over." So I just like riffed on a bit about that and um, did some different music impressions i did like a fergie impression and (laughs) some other (laughs) stuff and it it was uh it actually went uh surprisingly well my first time went really well and i had way too much confidence um which would lead me to bomb many times after that first (laughs) time but yeah the first time actually went surprisingly well yeah do you have a tape of it i do yeah it used to be online it's not online anymore. <laughs> I you you learn after a while of uh, once you're in comedy for a while you don't have to put everything up online and I put like a lot of clips out and stuff like that but I'll sometimes end up going back through and cleaning stuff up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I've had to do that because especially when you uh, audition for certain things if you're up for something uh, they they do their research they YouTube you and uh-huh. and stuff like that and i've auditioned for some sketch shows in the past where i'm like i'm just gonna okay delete these stand-up <laughs> videos and delete these old character things and different <laughs> stuff like that so yeah
0: oh man as far as stand-up goes like what do you th- what do you say are like your greatest like strengths and on the vi- on the flip side weaknesses as well
1: um probably my greatest strength is my ability to riff and be present and in the moment
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I would say that that can also be on the flip side. That can also be a curse okay? because sometimes I, because I know that I have that in my back pocket as a strength. I sometimes, uh, it doesn't push me to maybe write as much as I could be because I can so easily walk out on stage and make, comedy out of just what's going on at that time with the audience or riffing with, with audience members. But sometimes I don't feel, uh, as inspired to write. So sometimes I really have to sit down and push myself, uh, to write. So yeah, it's kind of like uh, an interesting
0: flip of the coin. Is there anything that like, it, not just with stand up or like just with life that you're like maybe insecure about that you've kind of gotten over or any, like current like insecurities?
1: Uh, I think that the longer you're in stand-up, the more you are re- kind of revealing about yourself. At least that's how I have been over the years. There's some people like Jerry Seinfeld and different comics who you still know really nothing about their personal life. Right. You know, yeah. Like you like you can watch four of their specials <laughs> and still have no idea. You have a sense of who that person is, but you don't really know. Like who, who really is this guy? What's he like on a day to day? Like what makes this guy tick? You know, uh, Uh, over the years I've gotten kind of more comfortable with talking about personal stuff like family stuff. I think that, uh, I was definitely self-conscious for, for years and years about different things that I still am working out on stage. Uh, but that I'm like, that's what's kind of a big deal for me about the special is I talk a lot about in the special like different moments about my parents being divorced and stuff like that. And just like my family upbringing sure. and that's stuff that, um, the way I was raised in Kansas is my mom would always say like, don't air your dirty laundry. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you, you kind of hold, you don't really let people in on that kind of stuff. You just, you show up and, and if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything <laughs> at all. That's the, the kind of mentality that I was brought up in my household. So That's not the funniest angle, though. You know what I mean? Right. That's not, you know, if you're just cordial and polite all the time, there's not really comedy there. Uh, And if you're not talking about the things that make you uncomfortable, then you're not going to grow as a comic or really as a person. So that's something that I've been trying to work on over the years because I was insecure about family stuff, uh, the you know, religion, uh, the way I was brought up, like, uh, you know. Even like like for like I had to get comfortable talking about my nose like real quick <laughs> with stand up because yeah. that's something that people notice about you physically if you have something that's a little bit different that they want you to acknowledge right if you're not acknowledging the elephant <laughs> in the room they're like, "How is this guy unaware and how's this guy not mentioning this during his entire set right so there's certain things that you know uh you kind of have to get over your own self and be like oh no this is for
0: the good of the, the comedy right yeah i mean kind of similar thing with i mean my name's galen and so anytime someone brings me on stage it's galen i'm like oh fuck you know it's like it's just getting the name like i just kind of got used to it from being like an elementary school but like i start off every set with that throwaway joke about uh about my name cause it's just like you just got to get it out of the way
1: yeah you got to get it out of the way so that it doesn't distract from the rest of what you're trying to talk about right
0: Man, that backyard show was pretty fun. The uh, the uh, the one at Nate's place, that was fun. That I didn't. Fun. They they had like a, they had Nate like in the front with like the the thermometer gun and shit. I didn't expect that at all. they yeah. were handing out masks and stuff. Yeah, it was even, cool. That was yeah, cool. That was a good time. But uh, what was the? Do you remember the first time you went to the comedy store?
1: Yeah, uh, the very very first time I went, I went as a tourist, and I didn't go inside because it wasn't open yet. I went uh, on a trip from Kansas to LA with a couple of buddies and one of the things that we did was we knew that the comedy store was on the Sunset Strip and we went up there and we literally just while it was closed, it's like broad daylight, <laughs> we just walked around and we just looked at the names and just pointed the, at the names and different stuff like that and we're just kind of in awe of this place it was like a shrine or we like man i wish this place was open like it was, you know it was one o'clock on right. like a random day of the week <laughs> and uh and i wasn't 21 yet right so i was just literally just going there as a fan and just looking at the names and just trying to feel any of the history or the energy of the building and uh i didn't go back um till uh i moved out later on to la uh the buddies who i went with ended up not moving with me and i just Did like the Craigslist roommate thing and find a place and stuff like that. Uh, So the first time that I went inside, I believe I signed up for the mic and I think I got up, if I believe correctly. One of the first times I went, I got up and I realized pretty quickly, I went up once or twice and I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this place yet. Sure. And I took time off and then wrote a bunch of material and honed and then came back before... Cause I had like a lot of respect just for, just right. what that place was in general. I was like, I don't wanna, <laughs> I don't wanna get known here too soon. I don't right. wanna like be the guy who bombs and be like that guy sucks. Like I want to come in and be like, who's that guy? That guy, that guy's funny, you know.
0: Right. I feel like that's kind of the same way with like a lot of like Orange County comics that like come up and do try to do the, the same thing. Uh, people who aren't ready or or they'll just come up. They think that they have to do open mics up here to like. Like be seen when really I I always refer to Orange County as like a perfect you know training ground because mm-hmm. it's like no no nobody matters out there you can just do whatever you want get up four times a night get better and get better and get better and then come out here
1: yeah there's a lot of scenes like that like those OC like San Diego there's a some of the different markets and different cities like like Denver Chicago there's a like Dallas has got a great scene they got a bunch of up and comers there that are awesome. Um that are, are working that I've, I've worked with over time Pung dong uh, tony Casillas, cj landry gage t arena there's like a, a a group of dallas comics that are really strong really good guys that are coming up right now
0: yeah cj's out here but i was just talking to tony i'm thinking about going out there you think uh, about yeah. you think about moving anywhere else or no i just so signed, the, I just signed the lease on a new place oh, in LA, right. so it's not happening <laughs> you're also married aren't you
1: i'm married and i have a kid on the way so like oh, we're, shit. we're settled oh
0: shit congrats man thank you dude. how far out is that
1: uh she's halfway there so we we she's due on 420 dog what up
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you guys have any like names or anything like thought out
1: we have some ideas but yeah tbd
0: tbd titan baldwin douglas (laughs) that is his name (laughs) (laughs) how did the uh like the like were you involved with like the kill tony show from the from the get-go like how did that progression come about
1: So not from the very, very beginning, but I've been friends with Tony for a long time. So I was, uh, if you dig real deep, um, I was on the panel for multiple episodes during the beginning when when Tony and Brian were kind of finding the first evolution of the format and stuff like that. And then later on, uh, my buddy Pat Reagan, he was a guy who was there band section it was just a one-man band it was just he'd play guitar before the show to warm up the the crowd and then he'd sit in the corner and he'd play music as the comics would come on stage and he would just kind of chime in occasionally on the mic and he brought me in and uh, we started doing the warm-up together like before the shows and then I would join him and uh, it evolved into basically what it is now of like where we do different characters every week right and it evolved into more costumes and full-on impressions and character pieces and along the way like a little little while after I joined we brought in Joel Jimenez on drums right and then we brought in Chroma Chris on bass and then more recently uh, after Pat left the show um, uh, we brought on Jesse Johnson as our trumpet player
0: yeah that's awesome man there's a I had a uh, so I scrolled back through our like messages on Instagram, and there was a time where I was trying to get you to come out and do my Manhattan Beach show, but it just didn't work with the timing because mm-hmm. every time we had that show, you hosted stand up on the spot. Uh, oh yeah, every so it just yeah. never worked out. And there's an episode of this podcast that never came out with Joel because. I don't know, did he ever tell you about the uh, the time he headlined my show in Manhattan Beach and the uh, he like bombed in front of these grannies and then they like swung on him? No, really? Uh, he never brought it up? I don't think so. Oh. not
1: that I remember, at least.
0: There was this, there was this show. This show was crazy. Like, uh, something wild always happened It'd either be a great show or something really weird would happen. Like people were getting like, there's this window behind the crowd that everybody could see, but it's like a, it's like a one way we could see out. They can't see in this dude was getting like domed up on the patio, like during the show, like stuff like that would happen. And so I had, I had Joel out there and, uh, he like, sorry, he was just drinking and drinking. And so he goes up there and he came late. Cause I was like, Oh, you could just show up at 10. Everybody else would go up from like nine. And yeah. Uh, there was this group of grandmas. They were, like, in the corner. There was, like, 12 grandmas. And so, like, I was just kind of, you know, in the beginning, like, oh, shit. I was, I was like, what do you guys hear? Like, gad? Like, like, you know, grandma's against drunk driving? They were like, kind of. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, what? And so, like, they were part of this, like, like a like a field group of, like, women who found each other because, like, all of their daughters just died or some shit like that. Yeah. Yikes. And so they decided as this group to come to this comedy show and so like everybody else heard and they were like let's just not talk to these ladies let's just do our act and not crowd work these ladies joel didn't see that and so he like he shows up and like starts drinking goes up on stage and he like i don't know he just starts crowd working these ladies and like he's like telling them that he wants to like bang them and stuff like all this stuff and they're just like leave us alone like they're like yelling at him they start crying like all this shit yeah yeah it's like uh, Joel Bird, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he kind of went with like the like the kill Tony route, where like if something doesn't work, like you know he'll just throw out another one or he'll just try it again sure. or try something else. And they were just like, "Leave us alone, leave us alone." And like he bombed because it was just like it was so it was just it so was did pretty bad. So the rest
1: of the crowd. Uh not appreciated either. No, or they just so You're, worried about these these women.
0: No, the rest of the crowd, they were people started walking out, and like there was comics that just left. I I can't wait to ask Joel I, about this. I have a video I could send it to you at some point, but it, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. And then after the show, though, and so like after the show, he goes up to there, and so like I was just with my like co-hosts, we were just talking, and then all of a sudden people were like, oh shit, and we were like, we look over, he had like gone over to the ladies to like apologize. And like they were like not having it, and one of the ladies like swung on him. And like, I don't, I can't remember if she hit him, but she like swung on him. And I think he got out of the way, but it was like crazy. And so he just dipped out of there. And then we recorded a podcast in my car afterwards, but he was still kind of drunk. So the whole time he was just like talking about it and talking about it. And then in the morning I was like, we probably shouldn't release this. And he was like, yeah, good idea. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but that show was crazy. But he's a funny dude, man.
1: Oh, yeah. I love, I've literally. He was on the road with he and Jesse were on the road with me in uh, Tempe, Arizona uh, this weekend.
0: Oh yeah, I saw that. That was crazy. Yeah, but uh, man, yeah. I have a random question about you being married because I had a buddy that who's married who told me and i I'm, I'm just it's a, it might be weird, but do you jerk off? Of course I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My buddy who's married says that he jerks off. Once the- I got
1: married, <laughs> there is no need for that anymore. <laughs> What did your buddy
0: say? He says that he jerks off to the thought of him and his wife having sex when they're not having sex.
1: I mean, that's very good for that man. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's realistic for everybody. <laughs> um, you know, I think, that, uh, I, th- I think that you think of that at times. I mean, <laughs> ideally, that's what you're supposed to. You know what I mean? Ideally, if you're... <laughs> <laughs> how do i how do i put this ideally that's what we should all be doing yes okay <laughs> that's what i'd say is that the reality no there's a lot of guilt and gross things that we're thinking about or try looking at sometimes <laughs> when we decide to do that uh i've tried to actually uh i haven't looked at porn in a long time since that was one of the things that i challenged myself with for uh the uh, during the pandemic, I really like because I I feel I always feel guilt and gross about it. It is partially because of my upbringing and like just like the faith side of things and sure. stuff like that. But uh, I do feel better about my relationship with my wife when I'm not looking at porn. I just it's something. Would you of, be
0: like heavy watching? What's that? Would you be like heavily watching?
1: I, well, I'm not, no, I really don't even, the, really the only time that I was really doing it was when I would go on the road and I was alone in a hotel and I'm like, I'm, I'm lonely and I'm horny. <laughs> so I would, that's when I would do it. But I, I always, I feel better when I'm not putting that stuff into my brain. Like since I have, since I have an amazing wife, like sure. I may, may sound dumb or whatever, but it it's just. <laughs> It's more healthy for me long term to not look at that stuff. And everybody's different, but I don't think that porn is necessarily good for
0: any man to be consuming a lot of. Right. I had a I had a buddy who's like he he said he was addicted to porn and he like lost relationships and shit. Of course, yeah. Ah, That's because here's the problem:
1: when you look at porn, you're basically you're depleting your dopamine releases. Because you're seeing it's so it's so much more graphic than you know <laughs> than like uh, l- just going to the spank bank or something like that because it's <laughs> right. right in front of you. Right. So the next time you have actual sex with an actual woman, you're think you like your bar is so much higher than it should be. It okay. should be a lower bar. Like you should like you should be able to get a boner as soon as you see a boob. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like if you're like, she's got to be, like, doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, that's like, you're watching too much porn, then. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. You don't know the struggle of uh, of COVID fucking. No, I, I, I don't. I've been single for a while, and it's rough out here, man. I bet, man. I bet. Out here. But uh, I got banned from Tinder, so it's, like, even triple rough.
1: How did that happen?
0: It was, it, it's not, it was, uh, like, I would just, like, roast people. For like you Instagram, roast girls yeah, on Tinder? <laughs> and then oh take screenshots and put it on Instagram. <laughs> oh my! It was goodness. like a running, running bit that I had. There was like it was pretty funny, and then I guess too many of them reported me, and they're like, sure. "Yeah, you're out of here."
1: Yeah, you come off too much as a troll, man. Yeah, that's what happens. You get reported on Tinder.
0: And see, this is I got banned right before the quarantine, and now I regret all of it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Have you hooked up with anybody during the quarantine? I I did. Uh, so what was the what was the situation like? Because. Did you both get tested or anything, or was it
0: both? Is like, no, we have both been quarantining. It's all good. It was, it was a, f- it was a friend from like middle school. Uh, who she was actually like my middle school crush, and Perfect. she like came out here from school from like Arizona, and we just like this was like this was, like, this was July, so this is like right when things started just reopening, mm-hmm. and so the bars had just reopened, and yeah. so we just we went out to this bar, uh, because they had a patio, and we we're on the patio, and. We were just drinking, and then my buddy, who's, like, a nurse, had, like, a free room at this local hotel because he was, like, a nurse dealing with, like, whatever, so, like, all of them had, like, a free room, even though nobody, like, needed it, so we just went and continued drinking at this this place with, like, her homie, who's like, a cousin of, like, my ex, and then we went down to the jacuzzi, and we all fucked down there. What do you mean, we all did? <laughs> well, it was... Uh, the, okay, so the guy's gay and he was outside of the jacuzzi and he was watching and I was hooking up with the girl and then the other girl was like, well, what do I do? And I was just like, you should get over here. And then we got kicked out. So I only, I really only had sex with one of them. And I, okay, so I saw the, the people come in to kick us out because it was like one in the morning and the, jacuz- the pools were closed because of COVID. So it's like yeah. warm bath water. It was pretty gross. And I saw them coming. You were having in. sex
1: in the warm water? <laughs>
0: yeah, we were talking. Hey, talk. you <laughs> dirty, Kaylee. What you doing, dog? I saw the people coming through the gate to kick us out. And so I was like, oh, like, start making out, start making out. So they started making out. And I was like, cool, threesome.
1: That's such a, that's such a buzzer beater threesome, bro. <laughs> that's such a, like, a I don't know about that, man. I don't know. If, I'm going to call you out. I don't think you, you had a threesome. You, you tried to force... A situation, like hurry, hurry, hurry! I gotta, I gotta get this in the books. Like, I gotta make this happen real quick. I'm calling your bluff on that, dude. You did not have a threesome when you said we all. There's no, no. It was separate accounts, and a gay dude just as a stenographer outside, just taking notes of what's going on.
0: That was, that was, that was, yeah. That was the only time I got some during the quarantine, though. All right.
1: All right. Judges does it. Okay, it counts. It counts. (laughs) It counts.
0: Oh, man. How long have you been married?
1: I've been married uh, over three years now. Yeah, we just hit over three years. And how long were you guys dating before that? We have been together now like, man, we've been together like, I think in February we will hit... Uh, over 10 years of oh, being together. Sh- oh, shit. Yeah, we've been together a while. Because I've lived in L.A. now over 11 years. Okay. Uh, And we started dating a little while after, like, I, after I met her and all that stuff, so.
0: How does that, that's, okay, so that's actually, how does that work for, like, like, stand-up wise? Mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of people that have, uh, girlfriends and, like, anybody that I've dated while I've done stand-up, eventually they hit the, uh, well, how come you're doing this every night? Like, when are we going to hang out some night? <laughs>
1: Well, that is totally dependent on the relationship that you have with your significant other. We established very, very early on, like, she's she's been dating me since I have been hitting open mics. She's, like, seen a couple of the open mics that I, like, would go to, and I'm like, please never come back to any of (laughs) these again. These are so brutal to (laughs) watch, you know? You don't want anybody who you love to see you performing Uh, (laughs) at an open mic. It's just sad. Uh, so those, it's just about communication. It's like, it, it, that's what it always boils down to for me. And I think a lot of couples, like you have to communicate if that's early on, like that's what's going to be happening. I made that very clear. Like this is an every night thing I work every night of the week. We'll have our date night, like that. We will set aside time and you know, it's just a communication thing. But the, the girls that I hear it happens all the time with, with guys like, yeah, she was cool with it at first because it's exciting. The day to stand up at first because you know there's some shows and like mm-hmm. you get to go out and like have fun like outside the, the the you know this pandemic that's going on. It's exciting, but then when the reality sinks in that there's a lot of grunt work between the fancy shows mm-hmm. and you have to be out every night. Like I was like, hey, when are we going to hang out? It has to be communicated. Like like this is, I've had to have multiple conversations with my wife like hey, like, I would much rather be hanging out with you tonight. I don't want to go hang out and literally just show face at clubs. Right. But that's a big part of, like, of of my trajectory at the comedy store when I was there. It used to be a lot about hanging out. Like, that Mm. used to be, like, the, the former talent coordinator, that was, like, a big thing that he wanted. He wanted FaceTime, and he wanted you watching the other comics and studying and learning from them that way. So it it all boils down to what, you know, you want and what you're okay with. And you have to communicate that with your partner. Otherwise like, that's how the relationships fizzle. Right. Cause she's cool that my wife is like amazingly, That's you know, one of the only reasons we have been able to stick together as long as she puts up with my stuff <laughs> and my schedule. She's aware of what she was getting herself into.
0: Right. And I'm sure there's other sacrifices that you have to make as well. It's like, you know, give and take, but it's just all about like, where did you guys meet? at the second city uh in LA. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. So she's not just some buddy you met at like subway that has no idea about the industry or anything. No,
1: no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's aware. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm tr- I'm trying to get like girls numbers at like Burlington Coat Factory and stuff, just anybody that doesn't know like about stand up or anything. <laughs> sure. Sure. Dog <laughs> trying to get another <laughs> three-way at the Famous Footwear. Dog, I don't know <laughs> what's going on. Uh when did you get past at the store?
1: Uh I got passed at the store in 2016, uh, fall of uh, 2016. Uh, so I basically did, um, it was like, a basically like a, a four and a half year going every day kind of thing. Uh, most nights of the week, hanging out, doing the potluck, all that stuff. Um, and when I would get up on Potluck, I would have pretty good sets. I was pretty freaking consistent. I rarely missed. Like, three minutes, I would write new stuff. I would, ha- I would do a different set every single week. That was one of the reasons why I got put up a lot there was I would write even a little bit, and then I'd riff some. Some sets, I would just go up there and improvise for three minutes because uh, three minutes is – it right. can either be very quick or it can feel very long, <laughs> dependent on – how you're doing with the crowd
0: right so that's crazy what's uh this is so kind of like cliche but like what's like do you have like a bombing story that just kind of like you think about every once in a while you're just like fuck no i it's more
1: like i you you constantly are surprised by Sometimes just the negativity of certain audience members where it's uncalled for, where it's rare that the the longer you do stand up, the the more rare it becomes where you have a true bomb. Like what I consider a bomb is like you can't save face at all. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. I gracefully bomb still a lot. (laughs) Like I'm aware of what's happening. Right. The room is aware that I'm not thrilled with what's going on. Right. But it's graceful. It's like, this guy's at least a pro. He knows he's bombing right right now. (laughs) That still happens. Right. But uh, it's more like the, like, I'll still think of there's some just negative audience members that they like. It's you it boils down to like why are you even here like right. like why if you, if this is going to be your attitude like for a comedy show like why did you even come tonight which makes the job way harder as mm-hmm. comics it's like those people who are like you're gonna have to sell me on why you're funny it's like dude just have a good time it's <laughs> like try to enjoy yourself a little bit um so i mean yeah i bombed so much there's not one that's that jumps out at me at the moment uh but it's it's happened so much that it's just kind of like eh.
0: if you could uh, like hop in like a time machine and go back and tell yourself one year, two years in like any piece of advice, like what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now um
1: make sure that you really appreciate the times that you're having with your friends starting out in comedy because it won't ever quite be like that again i'm sure you have a, a crew like mm. in huntington beach and oc area right where there was times even where you guys were doing mics every night together mm. you go to a late night diner you go to spots that everybody goes their separate ways eventually mm-hmm. Like even like you'll still work with friends on the road and stuff like that. But that's a very, very unique, special time where everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's really poor. Everybody's doing (laughs) the exact same thing. We're all just trying to be as funny as possible and make each other laugh. And that's a very special time that you should hold on to as a comic because, uh, you know, it it, like it becomes better and different in different ways. But there's there's no need to rush. That's what I tell myself. Don't. Feel the need to rush and don't feel like you're ready at this moment. Right. Because you're not. You're really not. There's stories. The fables of the people who get plucked from the scene. It happens in every class of of comedians. Wow, this person, they they got the Tonight Show. This person, they're in a movie with Judd Apatow. This person, you know what I mean? Right. Those are far and in between. The reality is, like for stand-up, it's a long, hard journey. You really have to love it to want to do it long-term. Otherwise, like, just, just stop. <laughs> if you're, if you're in it for the wrong reason, there's much better and easier career paths that you'll be happier doing. That if you, that if you don't really love this, because it's just too hard you you have to make a lot of sacrifices i've missed a lot of birthdays i've missed a lot of events through friends and family that i wish that i could have been there and i probably would have told myself to try to find a little bit more of a balance mm-hmm. i was so extreme where I, I missed a lot of life moments along the way where as you get older and the more you tour and do different things as, as a comic you realize you still you have to live life so you can write about life right so don't don't go so hard in the paint where you're excluding yourself from actually living and being present outside of that that's what i'd say to myself probably
0: that's actually really good advice uh last question before we jump into the uh questions that people submitted um musically like how long have you been like musically like involved
1: uh, I have been musically involved. I don't we'll know put that, it Like, no, 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 no. you start? Like, I will <laughs> say, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, uh, like, <laughs> that makes it a little bit more broad. Since I was a, since I was a little kid, I did I did theater growing up as a kid. So right. I did musicals and I sang in choir and I played sax in the church band and uh, played band in like grade school and would do. Solo competitions and stuff like that, like, um, and like little band competitions at different, uh, within different schools and public speaking engagements and all that stuff. Uh, and, uh, I remember winning ribbons for, uh, for, for speech. There was like a, it was like a competition. Oh, no. Like way. if you could recite, uh, different poems or, or like Aesop's fables, different <laughs> stuff like that. If you could have it memorized and deliver it, like you they would grade you and they would give you <laughs> at these events like <laughs> like one, first, second or third place ribbons like for your category and stuff like that. So I had like tons of different uh little <laughs> weird accolades <laughs> along the way for that. So I've been doing it a long time. I've been playing sax since I was like around 3rd,
0: 4th grade. Oh, damn. Yeah, the only like musical stuff that I ever did was like, you know, like in elementary school like that. Every, once a week that dude would like show up mm-hmm. like the music guy and but for us it was, it was this dude named Mr. Lundgren and he was just like he would just show up and like flex on us so he'd like show up like with his drum set and we'd all just be sitting there with like a recorder or something and he would just like go off on some drum solo for like an hour (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) he wasn't teaching us he's just flexing on us for like an hour and he'd be like all right go back to your next class yeah (laughs) yeah he was his moment but do you still have like did your mom save like all your stuff from like elementary school and stuff
1: yeah she is very uh Uh, she's a very proud mom and in that regard where I'm very grateful that she instilled a lot of confidence in me, um, where she has always been my biggest supporter, like as far as everything goes. And she has like plaques, ribbons, trophies, all that stuff, which I eventually, she said I need to pick up in Kansas. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to put all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, she has like, um, a lot of that stuff from my childhood and, and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, cause that's that reminds. Cause literally this morning, my mom texted me a picture of this like fifth grade workbook that I had to do for like drug training. Yeah, and I think it's funny because throughout. Yeah, I just I looked through it and it was funny. Cause like four days ago, I was just drinking in a park with William, and like here it's like this. If someone offers you, no, 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 and you're just like, they <laughs> just kind of hammer that down on kids. Send
1: I... her a new workbook of you wasted with yeah. the <laughs> photos and stuff, and be like, put this in the collection, mom. <laughs>
0: That's the did you ever have that in, in Kansas? Like the Dare program? Oh yeah.
1: Really? Do yeah, they yeah. still do that? They do. I will uh <laughs> I will donate to them occasionally. Really? If, if they're in a parking lot and there's a dude out there that's like taking donations for Dare, I'm like, I don't even know where this money goes to. <laughs> Honestly, but I'm like, this is for a good cause. Keeping kids off drugs, this is a good cause. Like, you got me. Like random dude who hits me up who Calls me a a white demon. I'm not gonna give you money. That happened yesterday. A dude really? aggressively came at me, called me a white bitch. He's like, I know you got money. You're a white bitch. You a white demon. Give me money. I was like, best of luck to you, brother. <laughs> That's uh, like, uh, I sh- was, yeah. was he wearing a mask? He was not, and uh, he was like spitting and stuff. I was like, bro. I'm like, and I he, and then he called me a bitch for wearing a mask. It was like a whole thing. I was like, I'm just trying to uh, wash my 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 car,
0: dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's I've seen so many people like it happened to me, I was delivering for Amazon and this is like the beginning of the quarantine. This guy didn't like the way I parked in this parking lot. Yep. And he like came on me and started calling me like the N word and stuff and Well like, those people you no know. Mask they're very,
1: it's unfortunate. They're very unhappy with life and they're looking for reasons to set them off and you know, sometimes people just unfortunately walk into that trap that they're completely unaware of. So sometimes you can't
0: if he was wearing a mask, I would have been fine with it. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, totally. like, <laughs> he was a gentleman. He called me <laughs> an N-word with a mask <laughs> on. Total gentleman. <laughs> All right, we got four uh, interesting ones that they came in. Uh, as someone asked, who are your guys' biggest comedic comedic inspirations?
1: Is it, who are your guys'? Yeah. Okay, so you go first.
0: Uh, as far as like, I'd say overall, I people people slam on it, but I gotta go with Daniel Tosh.
1: I, there's no, Dude, he's Pe- one of the best joke writers.
0: People people kind of just like don't know about his stand-up. They see him on, on see Just Tosh. Tosh and they see Tosh think it's
1: bro comedy. But like his writing is very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very strong.
0: I would say he's the one dude that I just have to shake his hand and say thank you. And that's it. That's awesome. What about you? Uh,
1: my top three that I always go back to are Jim Carrey, Steve Martin, and Chris Farley. And... Robin Williams is also up there. Those guys, I mean, huge influence on me and my comedy and just uh, what I aspire to be. Sandler is another guy who, like, long-term career-wise, I'd love to, you know, so inspirational. Right. He gets to work with his buddies all the time. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of what people think of the contents, like, if you don't like it, then those movies aren't for you. They're made for families and stuff like that right now. But, like, I, he's been putting on stuff that I think that classics is great classics
0: big daddy is a classic oh for sure uh someone asked would you rather have dick-sized nipples or a nipple-sized dick
1: (laughs) Dick dick-sized nipples for sure (laughs) that's not even a question you just wear a hoodie yeah dude just get a little (laughs) i'll tape them
0: down bro what if it's cold out
1: that's hard (laughs) yeah literally yeah i don't know That'd be that'd be rough. To hear, dude. <laughs> I you know, you can get a bra. <laughs> but you can't get, you know, nipple-sized dick. Come on, you can't even do anything with that.
0: I've seen some pretty big nipples though.
1: That's true. I'm thinking about man nipples. You were thinking about female <laughs> nipples. <Yeah. laughs> but then it'd still be, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'll take the uh I'll take the dick-sized nipples. <laughs>
0: Uh someone said, Can you ask Jeremiah why he doesn't play Careless Whisper on Kill Tony anymore?
1: Uh I actually answered this uh just answered did a roadcast with Jesse and uh, and Joel in the car, answered th- this specific question. I wonder if it's the same. Because it could be the same guy. Um I feel like uh just like um with certain bits and recurring things, certain things phase out. And naturally that was one of the things that Phase out, and I also think that uh, uh, it's such a recognizable song. I probably we probably started getting flagged for it on YouTube for when when Red Band hits that button.
0: Uh huh.
1: Yeah. Even though when I play it, it's but when I would play it, that's the thing. Red Band would always hit it right after I started playing. You know what I mean? What do you mean? So basically, I would play it on my sax or vice versa. He would hit Caro's Whisper. Like on his soundboard, the sure. actual song. Right. So that would go out. So, like, when you play something for too long on YouTube, that can get flagged, like, for because it's a copyright infringement. Right. So, I think that that's probably on his side of things, maybe why they don't do that anymore. But I think it's just one of those things that ran
0: its course. I got you. And the last one that came in, I'm interested to see how you answer this. A person said, Why is the show called Kill Tony when everyone else is funnier than Tony? oh man this is a trolling
1: question it's 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 tony's show at the end of the day it's why it's called kill tony
0: all right cool i was i just wanted to see how you would
1: i mean pr wise it's all it's it's all love dude i mean it's one of those things where i get the the we all get those we all get those questions from different people it could be the same person asking like like and being negative about me or Joel or right. Jesse or Brian, like to Tony, you know, Tony gets that hit up by people being like, Jeremiah sucks. Why is he on the show? Really? But, I mean, I'm natural. I'm Oh, dude. There's been so many times people. When we first started the show, people hated the band. They hated Pat Reagan and I so much. I'd get so many messages being like, you're ruining the show, all that stuff. I rarely get that stuff anymore because we've been on the show and we're a big part of it now, but yeah, so like the way I handle that is I'm just like, ah, whatever. Like Do you even
0: it, respond Did you even respond to those people?
1: No, I don't respond to that stuff. That's good. Maybe starting out you do because you're it's exciting, you know, <laughs> just to get any kind of engagement, but right. like after a while when it starts coming in consistently, you're like I can't respond to this anymore.
0: <laughs> all right, man. Uh thanks for doing the podcast. As we come up to the final minute, I always leave the final final minute to the guest to say whatever, plug whatever, do whatever. This next minute is all you, man. Cool, I'm easy to find
1: on social media, at Jeremiah's Stand Up. You can pre-order my special now. It comes out on December 8th on Amazon Prime. You can order that at jeremiahwatkins.com. And uh, I'm very active on social media, so if you really want to follow me, youtube.com slash Jeremiah Watkins. all that stuff. I post daily clips and different fun stuff. So <laughs> thank you very much for having me. appreciate it, dude. Thanks
0: for being on.